And by 12, you mean 18? <laughs> yeah, I mean 18. Hi, Don. Hi, Ben. So how's it going today? I'm late. Later. Are you? Later are you? than normal. Some, some, would say you that, some would say that's a sign of disrespect. Oh, it's not, not me. A sign of disrespect. Not me. Some. Some. Not me. But I have a question. Let's talk about lateness and punctuality. Sure. So I, love, I am I love punctuation. Oh my gosh, I am so yeah. Me too. I love the Oxford comma, um, and I hate it when I have to delete it uh, from my tweet so it fits. I stole. <laughs> I stole that from somebody. I saw that on on the internet last night. And I thought it was hilarious. That's pretty good. Don, call recorder is having a problem recording this call. Oh my gosh. How's your call recorder working? Um, it seems to be working, but when the, when the when the phone and I'm using uh, Richard fingers when the phone rang, um, it did sound kind of strange. But I don't know why that would relate to call recorder on your end. I don't know. It's weird. Okay, well, hopefully you have the call recorder working. Yeah, and it looks like it's working. What's so? What's it look like on your end? It's not doing. Like I got a message saying call recorder is not working. Whoa! And then now as I look at input, my there's no input, and as I look at output, there's no output. The Whoa. the green lights the green lights aren't blinking, Clark. <laughs> is that what a reference? It is. It's a movie reference to uh, Christmas Vacation, which is which is a great movie. Um, so hopefully we we record this. If not, we just talk, and I'm good. I'm totally. I just want to talk to you. Well, I, I think I think this is mine to to record, and uh, and and it is recording on my end. So, good. I had a little water there. Um, I heard so, that. so 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 punctu- I want to talk about punctuality. Got it. I should we do I that really, now or should we wait? No, we should wait. We should. Can we talk about it in five minutes and then? But we really will start it in twelve, <laughs> and then it'll be eighteen. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, Okay, so so my kid, you know, I'm I'm coaching this hockey team, right? Mm-hmm. Have I mentioned this? I, I coach so. I coach some hockey, and you have kids. Yep, and I have kids. And um, as part of coaching coaching hockey, this is now we've moved to the big leagues, Don. We're no longer um, polar ice, uh, Carolina Hurricanes uh, house league. We we are now we are now part of an organization uh, called the the Carolina Eagles. Ooh. Yeah, and the Carolina Eagles—they don't—they don't mess around. Um, and I, so I, I am—I'm coaching um, with uh, with some guys that I've coached with before, but now we're in a—we we were part of this organization last year, sort of, but now we're into travel hockey, which which is awesome. Uh, except you know where all of our travel is—we don't even almost have to leave Raleigh, which is great. Um, but but where this gets into punctuality mm. is is. Uh, uh, the organization provided uh, the coaches with uh, with some some reading material, some literature uh, about you know uh, guys and and, and uh, women who have played hockey and uh, their experiences in you know making making the team or making the NHL or making uh, you know get, getting to a prep school and so there's some really like you know the literature is actually pretty good about you know like here are five things that, that you can do that have nothing to do with skill that'll make you more, um, more likely to be, to be noticed or that you're, you're a good teammate and punctuality is one of them. Oh yeah. Okay. And, and so I am, I'm, I'm living, I'm living the, the material. I'm trying to take it to heart <laughs> except right now. Um, but I have, here's the punk, here's my punctuality question. Mm. And I think it has more to do with scheduling then be so i i want to be on time in fact i want to be early mm-hmm. 
but but I also have other things that I was doing before this thing that I was live for today, this podcast. And I and I want to give so when I'm in something and someone's asking me a question or we're having a conversation, I want to give them my full attention, time and attention, and their them my respect. And they may have a question that runs over time, but I also – so over time, and I say time in Richard Fingers because it runs over my schedule time that I needed to get to do something to be early. How do you – how do I manage that? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, it's – it's uh, there, there's – at some, some stage here, I'm going to eject out of something or be late for something and disrespect right. Right. But one or, or both of these people. Right, and so so welcome to uh, back to food safety work, <laughs> which is the yeah. new, new name of this podcast. Um, uh, I would say um, so. There's a couple of different ways that I would handle this. Okay, one one would be to suggest that you are overscheduled. So, in other words, your ability to estimate I'm at uh, activity yeah. A and I've got to get to activity B. Um, you are not leaving enough time, and so what that means is that when you are we were having a discussion about what time to start this podcast. You are not adding in enough uh, overflow time. Okay, so, and, that, and so that's fact, so that's yeah. one possibility. Yeah. Okay, I like that. All right, another possible. Well, and so that's so, so that's one solution to the problem, and that just comes with with time and and maybe the ability to say no or to say I really can't do this thing on this day or you know we're going to have to wait and record a pod, the podcast at a later time because I just don't we it just the schedule just won't work I mean it looks like it'll work and yeah I can sort of jam it in there and you know et cetera, et cetera. or or you can just schedule it and just know that uh, honestly like I don't have a hard out today and and so we just like that's fine I mean I'm I'm I I basically expect that people are going to be late, and so I always have something to do, right? And so it wasn't right, right. like I was sitting here for um, not that I'm <laughs> counting 18 minutes doing nothing. I was cleaning up some emails and you know just like dealing with stuff. And I and actually I was running a tiny bit late, but I knew you were going to be at least five minutes late. So always. I didn't I didn't rush, and so I spent a little bit of extra time sitting in the backyard with the dogs, and I was taking my time brewing some tea so I'd have I'd have some tea for the podcast. So I wasn't in a big a big hurry either, because again, because I, I you know contingencies and plans. So, um, another, another possibility, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> another possibility would be just to, to be, to, to, to talk to the person who's, who's making you late for the podcast and say, look, I, that's a really good question. I really want to talk with you about this. Unfortunately, I've made another commitment and I, go. I have to honor that commitment. And so I really need to go. Right. And so, so that's another, and, and, you know, and then, and, but you know, but your, but your question is really important to me. Um, can we schedule some time when I can follow up and we can talk about this more? Uh, because again, I, I really want to answer your question. So that's, that's another, uh, way to, uh, to, to deal with that situation that, which I've used before successfully. Um, and then, and then finally, the other thing is just, you know, let me know you're going to be late, which you did, but, but again, that, but then, but then the, the, the estimate of how late you're going to be wasn't accurate. But again, that comes back to like uh, getting, and this is part of, you know, I don't know if people that, um, I think we've talked about it here on the podcast before, but, uh, but I'll mention writing buddies, which is a, a thing yeah. that you and I do with our friends, um, Linda and Michelle, where we uh, meet every couple of weeks and we estimate how many hours that we want to spend writing, uh, manuscripts. And part of the value of writing buddies to me is, learning 
to estimate correctly, right? And and part of that estimating correctly is estimating like, okay, so given that I have this thing and given that I'm now running late, how do I estimate correctly for the next thing? And and that that just only comes with time and it comes with not not really beating yourself up or giving yourself a hard time, but just saying, look, how can I get better at this? If I, you know, you know, figure out like, okay, when I think that something's gonna take me five minutes, really I need to multiply that number by three. And then if I multiply it by three, that's probably the right, the right number. Right. And so, but again, it, you know, it, you know, that's, we, it's no, no one's perfect. I just had a meeting, uh, yesterday on campus, uh, with, uh, actually we were, we were both in a conference call yesterday and I had to leave the call early. And so did you, I had to leave the call early to go to a meeting, um, with, uh, my colleague, Bill Hallman, who's in, uh, another building. And I had to, I, again, I wanted to make a cup of tea before that meeting. And so I had to leave time to go down to the main office and, you know, rinse out my coffee cup and, and refill it with hot water for tea, et cetera, et cetera. And I was, you know, I was like five minutes late to that meeting, but I knew it was okay. You know, I, like it wasn't, it wasn't like I was really wasting Wait, too yeah. much of their time. And, and I, I was okay with that. And I could have like, I suppose I could have called Bill and say, I'm going to be five minutes late, but you know, he, he, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that unless I knew I was just not going to make the meeting or I was going to be like significantly late. So, yeah. So I, you know, that's, that's kind of my, um, rambling, uh, two and a half cents on that. Well, that's, it's good. I, you know, I'm. Uh, the the conflict that I that I have, or that I end up with, is is exactly I'm trying to not make anybody mad, mm-hmm. not mad, but you know, like like annoyed, and and then but do that in a way where you kind of make make everybody late or or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it ends up in so so I'm I'm wor- I'm working on it. I think the scheduling. Um, I, what what I've really so what I've taken away from this like one piece of coaching literature on punctuality that I've implemented, I think extremely well in the two weeks that I've had it is if I have a phone call planned with somebody that is not a podcast with you, mm-hmm. <laughs> explicitly not a mm-hmm, podcast, mm-hmm. but it's with somebody else. Um, <laughs> I am showing up to those phone calls not on time, but two minutes early. Yeah, and, and that that is absolutely something that I do, and the reason why I do it is that if I don't do it, I am invariably two minutes late because right. something goes wrong. You can't find the the number that you have to punch in after you dial the thing, and so I'm just like five five minutes before the call. I'm like, yeah, let me let me start getting on the call, and and then I'm just sitting there doing email, doing whatever. It's not like I'm I can't be productive in that little interstitial time, right? I mean, and that's a you know the the value of having these wonderful uh, information phones and and technology is we can do stuff like that and. And we can be we can be productive in those little times, and if you use it to your advantage, yeah, you can never be late, or you can very very seldom be late. Right, and and it's it's like, t- like I'll, I'll you know it's like that's fine. I'm going to get on the call two minutes early. I know that we are not going to start until five or maybe ten minutes after the call. And I'm totally fine with that because I'm just going to be early and I'm going to chill out, right? And I'm going to do right. stuff uh, while I'm waiting, and maybe right. maybe even print out uh, the uh, conference call bingo and start playing. <laughs> Exactly, and, and uh, who, sorry, who just joined? Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I think you need to go on mute. There's an echo on the line. Getting an echo. Bingo. Hi, hi I'm uh, hi. This is Don. I'm here now. <laughs> uh, so so it's it's the little things, Don. I'm I'm trying to get those wins of like just you know instead of being there at 11:01, 
where everyone's like, oh, you know, you join the call and eight people are already on the line. I'm trying to get there at, at 1058 and, mm-hmm. and be, you know, waiting. Um, and, and that is, and that is that is exactly what you should be doing. That's yeah. That's where I'm. That's where I'm going. So and, and so anyway. Thanks for uh, indulging my uh, uh, punctuation uh, safety talk. Yeah, um, oh, I just I just did a Google image search for conference call bingo, and it's amazing. So we will we will link to the Google image search. <laughs> oh, excellent. Um, so 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 there's like there's stuff there's stuff going on mm. we got feedback mm. i want to talk about first before we get into that the you and i so you you've been podcast cheating on me oh i have uh, i have but you might not know this but so have i you but you've been podcast cheating on you on you on oh, okay. you okay cool yeah uh, well, we have an open relationship we do so yeah. it's so it's not even uh we're free so, to so yeah. So, and I guess I don't know, like, where the analogy is going to go with this, but I'm I podcast cheated, podcast cheated with people that you've already podcast cheated with me on. <laughs> so, okay, there you go. So, I, so I don't want to. I don't want to explain that. I don't want. No, I don't, I don't no. want to come up with a, a word for that. No, exactly. I uh, the last two days I've, I've done uh, uh, recorded uh, podcast for uh, my food job rocks with Adam oh, Yee. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's uh, as a follow up because he he talked to you not too long ago, um, and then also uh, a podcast, a real full podcast with uh, Food Safety Magazine and uh, Barbara Van Rentigrim. Cool, Barbara. Yeah, I think that's well, how you that, say I think also. you're ahead of me um, because uh, actually um, I uh, <coughs> I did not do a, <coughs> a full interview with them. I just did a like a fill in, you know, before the the real one. Uh, yeah, like, filler. Like a, the like opening band. Like open, I was the opening back. You're the, you're the yeah. headliner. So nice, nicely done. So, so those, neither of those have, have yet dropped. I think the uh, My Food Job dro- uh, rocks drops in, uh, in October. I say drop because you know, so that's what you do in the, in the business. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not sure when the Food Safety Magazine one's coming up. But I, my, my favorite conversation uh, or part of the conversation from Food Safety Magazine was after the recording was done, and and we talked for forty five minutes about oh wow um, yeah it was cool you know communications and research and um, how I got into this and and you know messages all all, all the all the hits right cool and and afterwards uh, um, Barbara says uh, so she she uh, you know we we have to they use a, a different kind of like recording thing that you kind of have to stay yeah. around yeah. while it uploads, which is cool. Um, and uh, she says to me, Hey, so that was great. Uh, um, and, uh, and I try to think uh, uh, is, that, that was, that was awesome. Um, and I, and I told everybody that, that you could carry an entire podcast, but they didn't believe. <laughs> and, oh, that's nice. That's very sweet. Like, sweet of her to say talk, that. Yeah. We talked for 45 minutes and you had lots of stuff to talk about. Huh, I, yeah. I knew, I knew it would be possible. Uh, and I, she, I, has I, she, she, has she ever, does she know you do a podcast where you talk so. for well, 45 she, minutes? It's not like I'm carrying the whole podcast. It's like, we're both, I mean. Uh, right, anyway, right. Whatever. I know. I, I don't think that that that's what like what she meant. But she was like, you know, well, we thought about having both you and Dawn on, um, but but I, you know, I I said that you know, Adam was a uh, um, the guy director of sales for Food Safety Magazine who does the recording, uh, but you know, I, we we decided that it was okay to just have you that you you should be able to carry it and you don't need both of you on. And I was, but we will do both of you together at some point. 
Um, anyway, it was, I thought it was funny. Oh, not, you know, not a, like not, not a slight. I just, the way that the way they came out, I was like, Oh, that's hilarious. Um, so anyway, I could tell I, so I'm thinking about maybe just doing my own, just, just me. I'm going to carry 45 minutes by myself. You know, um, the, I, this is, this is interesting. You mentioned this. I, there, I have listened to single person podcasts. Um, they are really hard to do a good job with. Like like two people, it's a conversation. It's very natural. It's the way that our psyches and uh, uh, our our minds are tuned. Um, <clears throat> a single person talking podcast is really really hard to carry out well. I, I've heard a lot of bad ones. Um, whereas most two people podcasts, <clears throat> as long as you know they have decent uh, audio and they have something to talk about. Um, you know, you can. I can pretty much tolerate anything, but 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 boy, this that that single person podcast is a challenge. Well, does it? It just sounds like an Alex Jones four hour episode where someone's just yelling for right, like yeah, or like, or, or it sounds yeah. like you're just reading something, right? Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. And I've even listened to podcasts where the host will do like a short intro uh, where they just introduce the guest and then they cut to the segment with the guest, and even that is very. Um, sometimes could be hard to listen to. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, I'm with you. So no, I'm probably not gonna, I won't, I, I won't go. Well, good and, good and luck. Do my I, own. I just, it's hard. Yeah. I, I'm not I, like, I'm, I can't do that. Um, I, I enjoy So, I mean, both, so both of the podcasts that I did, uh, and invariably both uh, asked a question about how we started this and I answered it, you know, very similar ways. But I think, you know, as you and I have talked about in lots of podcasts, I, I, and I, you know, this is just not, you know something nice to say to you. Um, I would do. The, I just enjoy talking to you and, and about the like the perspective that you have on things, and that we get to hash out just different topic areas, whatever it is. Like the, it's not about the podcast; it's just about the conversation. So that was, uh, you know, what we, what I, what I reported to both these folks that we realized you know, somewhere early on that it was, it was just kind of cool to schedule a time to get together every couple of weeks to, to talk about fun, fun things. And absolutely. And there's a spinoff. Yeah. And, and when, um, when I, when I talked to Adam, he asked that same question about how did you start doing it? And of course I, I thought about that, um, uh, that, and I couldn't think of it at the time either. And I, I can't think of it now, although I did go and actually find uh, the audio for it. The thing that we did at the IAFP, yeah, meeting StoryCorps. StoryCorps, yes, thank you so much. So, uh, yeah, so so you know, big shout out to StoryCorps. It never, uh, it never actually aired as a StoryCorps episode, but it was a really fun, uh, fun thing that we did as uh, at at the 100th anniversary of IAFP, um, and that's really what got us started. And and we do have that audio floating around uh, somewhere. It's in, uh, it's back uh, <clears throat> in the days before. We were uh, hosting the audio on Squarespace, but it's in our uh, uh, Amazon uh, cloud, uh, Amazon S3, uh, uh, and it's out there somewhere. And so maybe we uh, maybe we can link to it for this episode because I don't I'm not sure that we ever actually link to it. So if somebody wanted to have a have a blast from the past, we could uh, we could link that for them. Wow! Yeah, I so speaking of blast from the past, as you were talking about it, I tried to find where it was, and I stumbled upon Food Safety Talk One. Frampton comes alive. Yes. Don, six years ago, on August twenty eighth, we started this. Wow. We started this journey. Six years, and let's nice. let's run down the things we talked about. <laughs> oh, on Frank that comes alive. Yeah, <laughs> probably the same that we talk about today. Indicator organisms, 
mandated labels on raw meats that are perhaps not all that useful. Um, Listeria risk rankings. Um, A food safety expert we'd like to interview. Let's click on that. Oh, it's Paul Hall. (laughs) We never did interview him. We did. Uh, North Carolina's restaurant inspection system. The 5x5 network. I mean, basically, we just start the same show over and over again. Over and over again. It's all in the show, Don. It's all in the show. Uh, there you go. Six, almost, uh, so it's, it's our, it's almost our anniversary. What is, what's six? Six anniversary. It's, it's probably tin or something. Yeah. I hope it's glass. It's, uh, it's iron. Iron. Nice. Or, in, that's traditional. In the modern U.S., it is wood objects. So I will, it's not just wood. It's a wood object. See what, see what we can do on that. Oh, man. There you go. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, and you tell me. So, you, you also podcast cheated on me, but yours was what, like, not, no, no disrespect uh, to Adam and, and Barbara, but, but you talked to Paula Poundstone. Well, I did. <laughs> and that was, that was some time ago. And of course, they, it was recorded some time ago. It just recently came out. And so, yeah. So, so Paula had uh, started, has started a new show on NPR uh, called The Poundstone Institute, where she uh, nominally explores um, scientific topics by talking to scientists and, and, and cracking jokes and, and, and generally being funny about that. And, and so, uh, yeah. And they called me up because of the, the stuff that we did on the five second rule. She called me up and uh, asked me to be on. And it was, uh, it, it turned out, it turned out really good. They record, I think, at like something like 7 p.m. Um, they record in front of a live audience, 7 p.m. Pacific time. So I had to uh, stay awake until about 10, um, which is about the time I'm starting to get a little bit tired. Um, uh, stay awake till 10 because I'm old um, uh, and, and, and try to be you know, funny and, and engaged and, and on, on you know, so I could like, keep up with them. But I think it turned out pretty good. Yeah, it was. I thought it was great. It was, uh, it was cool. I, I don't – so – I'm not a. Uh, I don't listen to a lot of NPR. Danny Danny listens to a ton of NPR, so she probably has caught some live at the Poundstone Institute. But the I like I listened to the to that um, to your episode, and then I listened to um, uh, the subsequent or not the previous episode. It was really it's cool. It's I thought it was a really. I wasn't familiar with the show. It was good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's an it's an and I, and I have listened to a couple of uh, a couple of episodes. Um, <clears throat> And then I sort of stopped listening, and then all of a sudden uh, found out that um, my, you know that my episode had come out. So I uh, uh, I um, uh, li- obviously listened to that at least the, f- the first part of it that had me on it. So uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I it's good. It's it's uh, I, I like what she's trying to do. I hope it uh, I hope it, it she can keep doing it. it it's certainly uh, very it's a good it's a good way to kind of for if you're interested in science but but just want to keep it light. It's uh, it's it's a nice it's a nice listen. Yeah, it was it's cool. So the one I, that was right before you was one called Do I Need a Bath? Uh-huh. Uh where we learn all about forest bathing, which was really interesting. Uh Whoa. so yeah, it was I, forest bathing. Yeah. That's a that's an actual thing. Wow. It's yeah, it's an actual it's an actual uh thing. Um so anyway, it was yeah, so anyway, it was cool. I'm glad I'm glad. I I am glad uh continuously that um, every once in a while we end up in popular culture, like we, the world of food safety, oh, and yeah. you, you being one, you know, one of those, one of those folks um, who uh, who's out there. It was it was cool. Um, yeah, it's good, it's good stuff. Um, so so we got that. 
Um, we we've got some we've got some follow up uh, mm-hmm. to talk about. Um, and there was I was, so where should we go here? Um, let's talk let's talk about one of our one of our favorite listeners. I say favorite because uh, I don't think you know her. Well, I'm not sure you've met her in person. Is, have you ever met Caitlin uh, Kasuli? Oh, Caitlin, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, you have met her? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was her mentor at IAFP um, uh, a while back, and uh, yeah, I, 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 I totally have met her in in real life, and we're actually working together on a project. I knew you were working together. Yeah. I just didn't know if you'd actually like met oh, in person. Well, and yeah. yeah, so we met. We met in well. So and actually, we met before that because uh, um, Elliot Riser at Michigan State invited me out to give a talk, and I, that's where I first met her. Oh, um, cool. And then uh, we met. Uh, we 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 hung out at uh, IAFP. I think it wasn't this. She didn't come to IAFP this year because um, she's she's more food engineer oriented person. But uh, she uh, she definitely. Um, uh, 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 came to the one the year before that, and we we because I was her mentor. We definitely hung out and uh, and spent you know time talking together. And I and I got to meet her, I got to meet her lovely dog Porter because apparently she travels everywhere with him. She, yes, yes, she does. So I did not. I've not met Porter. Um, so Caitlin. Oh, but she was know, in. Yeah, she was in North Carolina recently. Yeah. So she's. I mean, she's from uh, not too far outside of Raleigh. I think she's from Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, North Carolina, and. I think we talked a little bit about this on a podcast a while ago because she came to visit um, and run around. Maybe it was around Christmas time um, or at some point in the last little while. And and she, I think I've told you the story that um, I golfed with her and Rich Linton, and she like hustled us. She's like a phenomenal golfer. It doesn't surprise but, me. Yeah, yeah. Like and and, and so she she had, was an undergrad and was. Um, I think like president of the agri life, you know, group, the student group or something like that. And, and she'll, I'm sure she'll correct us, uh, on this or if, cause she, she listens, but, um, rich, it, she was a, a food science undergrad and then we'd I, like, I'd spoken in one of her classes or, or something. Anyway, rich was like, Hey, do you want to golf? And, um, there's a student Caitlin who's going to golf with us. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And we, it was, I remember it being super hot. And, um, we, we play, you know, we played, I don't know if we played a full 18 or nine holes, but, um, she's just re- like a great golfer. And then on the last hole, right before we went and, um, had a beer, she, uh, sank this, like we were kind of like, you know, not, not betting, but we bet on the last hole maybe. Um, and not just, you know, friendly stuff, not like illegal betting. Cause I don't, I don't know all the rules on that. Um, but she sank this putt that was like. I don't know, like 60 feet long to beat us. And we're like, okay, we, we will buy you beer. Uh, after that, you totally deserved it. But, but I think she hustled us up until that point. She was like, Oh yeah, I'm not very good. And then she became world's greatest golfer. <laughs> uh, so a- anyway, uh, Caitlin, Caitlin asked, Caitlin has lot like she, um, she, she has recently been to Canada and has, uh, had, has been asking me on Facebook about some Canadian things. Um, a, if you are friends with her on Facebook or if you know her um, at all, she's into home brewing. She has been a, a bartender. She's really into the um, into the brewing scene and the the you know food microbiology uh, aspect of things. So she asked us. I'm currently partly partway through episode 131, and I'd like to get your opinion on a couple of trends I've noticed as my in my visits to breweries. Uh, breweries that do not have a kitchen on site or allow. Uh, that do not have a kitchen on site allow for outside food to be brought in 
and there are no limits to what this entails. Could be food cooked in your kitchen, takeout, delivery, etc. The distillery I used to work at also allowed for catered events with rental of their event room. Again, with no guidelines or limitations on what could be brought in, no guidance on proper handling and storage. I've even seen some breweries organizing potlucks. It seems to me that this will inevitably result in some kind of liability issue in the future, particularly in the potluck case. Um, and Caitlin says, uh, feel free to share the details of this email, and I look forward to the discussion. So, Don, what's your uh, what's your take on on Caitlin's Caitlin's question? Yeah, well, I mean, I th- I think that this you know breweries organizing potlucks reminds me of our discussion. I think the last episode um, about the uh, the outbreak uh, linked to um, uh, Clostridium perfringens and people cooking chickens and turkeys at home. I mean. Yep. I think uh, I think that's probably not a best practice. I mean, it's one thing if you have an event at your house, but you know, and and somebody who's a guest to that event brings food that makes people sick. That's unfortunate, but probably happens. Um, but if you are a business and you are doing this, um, I. I don't think it's a good idea. I don't, I don't, I really don't think it's a good, I, I just, I, if I, if I, if I was a, sometimes I like to put myself in that perspective. If I was a brewery, would I do this? I would not. I mean, it's, it's nice. It's, I, yeah. I get why you're, they're doing it. It's a nice homespun, you know, collegial, you know, and get, uh, you know, um, I'm struggling for a word here, but, but to create a sense Commun- of family, community building, community building. Yeah. right. It's great. But, but n- not, no, not, 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 not on my brewery. <laughs> Right, right. So I, I think this is really. Like, I've, I've noticed the same thing. I'm glad Caitlin uh, brought this up because I don't think we've, we've talked about it. I've, I, um, we go to uh, a bunch of breweries quite often um, with, with the family, um, and there are a few breweries that used to allow dogs, and, and some that still do. Um, that, that at least in the like tasting room area. So it was like this whole. Community um, thing. I've never, you know, none of the ones that I've been to have I seen them organizing a potluck. Um, and I, you know, I think there's two two things here. One is regulatory wise, what is that? What does it mean? Um, and and then and that regulatory wise, you know, comes down to uh, after that, what are the what are the best practices? And and this liability question. And so I'm I'm with you. I think so. I I'm a I'm a fan of. Let's not let's not tell people not to do this, but how would they do it, you know, safely? And and as Caitlin sort of brings up, have the have these events. I'm I'm okay with that, but give people some guidance, right? Like if you're going to produce some sort of potluck food, um, here here are temperatures that you need to keep this at. At, you know, after it's made, and then as, as during transport, when it gets here, or let's let's talk about how we can use time as a public health control. But let's not use the complicated term. Uh, but let you know, talking talking about certain certain hours, and then the other the other piece is how do you ensure that people who are participating in this community event um, know that there might be a risk that you know family the Joneses uh, aren't the most fantastic at making sure temperature is great on their barbecue. Um, and, and just like, Hey, there might be a risk associated with this. I I still think though that 
Um, and this will be me giving my interpretation of, of Bill Marler answering questions like this, that although, you know, liability um, is not like it's it, 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 often cases like this, it's not 100 percent. It's like there's someone is liable. You can assign some percentage of blame. So if you have an outbreak at a brewery um, that, you know, the people that ate it may have some level of blame. Uh, the people that made it may have some level of blame and the brewery itself may have some level of blame. So it's not like a hundred percent, but there may be, you know, if there were damages and something uh, tragic happened that, that the brewery may be on the hook for some of this stuff, even though they didn't sell any of the food, they just facilitated the event. Um, and so, but like all of those nuances, right? Like we just talked about this for five minutes. It's not just like, Hey, let's have a potluck and put up a poster. And having that, brewery go through what could go wrong how do we manage it let's make a informed decision about this is is where um i i would bet that not a lot of breweries are thinking about and 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 they may just look at it like well we're we're exempt because we don't have a kitchen and we don't have glassware that we're washing so no one even comes in to inspect us yeah yeah. Hey, um, I have, uh, I have a. This is not, uh, this is not in the uh, in the notes, but this is something that Ooh. that came across my uh, my desk recently, and I want to I want to ask your perspective on it. And so I'm going to do my best <clears throat> to keep this confidential. This was a, a nominal consulting assignment that ended up not not being a consulting assignment. Um, but basically. And I'm working from from memory here because I don't have uh, my notes in front of me. But basically, it was a restaurant owner who was having issues with a local health inspector regarding an outdoor bar. And and the issue is that the inspector was trying to make the restaurant owner enclose the bar um, because because that's what the food code says. And so, do you do? And so, do you have any thoughts on? And this sort of gets, which will, which will segue into some more listener feedback, maybe on on the food code and, and Annex Three in particular. But um, do you have any thoughts on whether, like, how would you solve that problem? In other words, the food code says uh, that that any place where you're going to be preparing food um, uh, has to be and enclosed, and you've got a restaurant with an outdoor bar like that's on a deck. Um, uh, do you think that you can do that safely? Uh, I think you absolutely could do it safely. I'm like, let me get my little, uh, food code, uh, out here. I, I don't know that it actually said, now this could be, um, I don't know if it actually says that it needs to be enclosed, but it could be enclosed. It could be the state that they are, uh, in that, that is the way it is like, so, you know, right. I think, cause we, we have, um, temporary food events actually right, right now today in, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, the PGA, um, championships going on, um, which is a, it's a sports ball. It's a tiny sports ball. Uh, it's golf. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, there are a lot of food vendors that are going to be selling food and making food in non-enclosed environments out there. Like they're going to be grilling hamburgers or, doing things and i i think that there are ways within the the food code for temporary um you know having a temporary event that you can that you can do that um i get the difference you know with a a bar that's not temporary right like i'm right. we're gonna operate right. there all the right. time right but but we already i guess what i'm saying is we already have a process to evaluate that within the within the code 
Um, and, and I think, you know, for, for me, out, outdoor, like a bar. So the bar outdoor, they would have a kitchen that would be producing food. Is that, is that correct? Is that what we're talking about? Or was, was it just that they were serving food outside? Yeah. So the specific issue, and, and I, apparently there is a, something in the, in the, uh, the newspaper, which I, which I will link to, cause that will be public information. But, but basically, <coughs> excuse me, according to the local health officer, this is a violation of the food code because after hours, the equipment may be contaminated by vermin, especially mice. And so that, gotcha. that's, that's the, the, apparently that's the, the, the crux of the food code issue. So we've got let's okay now now I'm getting it. So it's like we've got a um, a margarita mixer that's sitting outside, or we've got like uh, you know whatever maybe it is food prep and and we, and that's that's going to remain outside and we don't have a way uh, to, um, to protect it when it's not there. So for this, um, let me let me equate this. So I I would say that you, while that's not ideal, we could put in steps for cleaning and sanitizing of whatever that equipment is it, with the thought that there may be some vermin that have gone across it and we clean and sanitize it before, before use. And, and I'm going to highlight something, uh, uh, here, a text conversation that, uh, you and I had with two other people about, um, packing sheds and packing facilities, um, and, and risk. Uh, so, uh, we have, we have a colleague who is, walking around uh, a, an off-season um, produce packing facility and with a bunch of folks that were regulators and industry folks. And um, they were trying to sort, of, sort out, I think, uh, uh, looking, at, looking at hazards, doing, doing, what, uh, doing what, what, what people would like to call a risk assessment, but what you and I would call maybe a, a, a hazard assessment. A hazard assessment. Or hazard yeah. analysis, yeah. Or a hazard analysis. Um, and so they see this pack line and – they see um, uh, 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 poop from a bird, let's mm-hmm. say. Or, oh, or yes, yes. Directly on it. And, uh, and again, I, I want to remind everybody who are, who's listening, and uh, you included, uh, that this is poop that is on a pack line that is not in use. This is off-season. Um, and then also they have a, um, a drip pan from an air conditioning unit um, that is – over top of the pack line that is uh, also dripping water, uh, uh, not uh, over top of an area that there is product uh, that is for sale that is directly underneath. And this, this stuff is not, this is in use. And, and so the question became, what's the greater, what's the bigger hazard to manage? And um, the, uh, you know, my answer was that drip pan that may contain uh, you know, that's drip, that's got water that's dripping directly on, uh, on the food that may contain some sort of, you know, listeria or some contaminant that might, might be there, but we're talking about direct contact. I would see that as more of a, a, a hazard to the process because I'm not going to do anything about it where the poop, uh, or I can't do anything about it. Mm. The, the poop, uh, I, even though since it's off season, I would just assume that they're going to clean and sanitize that line and remove the poop. So, but the folks that were on this tour saw the poop as more, more important because it's poop. Right, right. And in fact, when the, the text, uh, originally came from our friend, um, I looked at it and I immediately responded with poop because my goal in these, these multiple people text conversations is always to be the first one to respond. <laughs> 
So, um, <laughs> so I was I was first. Um, yay, first. Um, but uh, but then I, I after I got over the the you know the 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 adrenaline rush from being first, I actually stopped and reread the message more carefully, and I said I changed my vote to the water because yes, you're right. It's but it's poop, but it's on a line. And it's been there for a long time, and it's on a line that's not in use. And yes, one would hope that it would be cleaned uh, prior to uh, prior to use. So um, just to, to briefly take it back to this, and I did. Find Find the, the newspaper article. This is from January 2017. Uh, the owners of uh, Gaslight Company Restaurant have filed a lawsuit against the city of uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and uh, basically saying that uh, the city's health department cited a federal food code adopted by the state in 2009, but the city never adopted the code, so it doesn't have any authority to enforce it. So it's a little bit of a food code endorsement, uh, uh, food code um, uh, enforcement issue. Um, but uh, further down, it says um, uh, the city's health concerns uh, pertain to exposed food service implements and re- with and related possible health hazards quote for example a rodent could lick the bottom of a beer dispenser close quote so there you go that's that's exactly there you what, go. that's what they're talking about so anyway uh, and unfortunately i think what what is going to happen is um they they uh can't get their um Let's see. How did what? How did it go? Um, the health department has refused to issue a permit uh, effective July one. They have a liquor license that renews August one. The liquor license cannot renew without the health permit. If the permit is denied, it cannot be renewed for three years. So this this is unfortunate. I mean, this guy. Huh. I feel bad for this guy. Right? Um, he's going to lose his business um, because you can't operate a restaurant without a liquor license, or it's very very challenging to. Uh, just ask all the restaurants in New Jersey that can't get liquor licenses, right? Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because I mean I think with a little bit of flexibility, um, they could uh, they could come to some agreement about cleaning and sanitation that would that would manage the risk. Right, that would meet the goal of the code. Right, the goal of the code right. is not to not to enclose things. Right, it's, it's not like yes. let's yes. let's have more enclosures. It's that that they're you that that we're not uh, exposing the public to um, undue risk. Right. The, and, and also, the goal goal of the code is not to shut down restaurants. Right. It's to make sure that restaurants right. are safe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh well, that's I. That's uh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I'm sorry that. Um, yeah. That that they're not. Uh, they're, it sounds like they won't win that battle. And 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 it'll cost them lots of money to do something that, uh, from a net public health standpoint, they could have managed a lot cheaper, right? Like that's yeah. that, yeah. And probably I'm looking at a picture here from uh, an article that was in Seacoast Online uh, from March twenty uh, March twenty fourth two thousand and seventeen, uh, and this is a picture of Paul Sor- Sorley, one of the owners of the Portsmouth mm-hmm. Gaslight uh, Company, and it seems like it looks like a really cool bar. Yeah, there's I mean there's just a dude sitting there. It could be me wearing a baseball hat and a plaid shirt. Yeah, uh, just ordering ordering a beer. Yeah, uh, and so oh, it's uh, that's that's too bad. So this this let's segue into another question that you and i got that was not uh that's from a listener but but he did not he sent it to us using a different social media method and we didn't ask him if we could talk about it okay uh but uh but so we're not going to share his name but here's the this is yesterday um okay here's a weird one that causes debate uh went to me it's such a low risk question is a bald food employee engaged in production required to wear a hair restraint yep. and so uh, so here's here's another one, and this and the reason why I want to go to this is because 
Um, I asked, uh, I asked someone, uh, who's also a listener to, uh, uh, to the podcast, uh, uh, this question. And I said, uh, who is my, my food code guru. Uh, and the response that I got back was, um, it depends on how unreasonable the EHS is. Right. Which is what I responded to our listener. Cause I thought that was a person, perfect example. And that is like, let's apply that answer to gaslight as well. Yep. And to, uh, you know, and, and differently to, to Caitlin's question, uh, about, you know, the, the issue it's, it's not about, you know, it's not regulated when it comes to, to those breweries, but yeah, I mean, so this, uh, this question's come up and I had to look it up again about, um, hair restraints and it, it does talk, um, in the food code about, um, restraints, right? Like there, there are, uh, you know, information, but it doesn't explicitly say there's no like exemption that says if you're bald or if you don't have hair to restrain, then you don't have to wear a hair restraint. But it does seem, again, if we try to dive into why that might be there, why, what is the goal of having a hair restraint? And, and I'm, this is going to sound so obvious, Don, but the goal of having a hair restraint is to restrain hair from getting into food. If you don't have hair that could get into food, then it seems like you shouldn't have to wear a hair restraint. Well, and the only uh, the only other thing that I've heard, and I didn't I didn't chime in on the the email thread on this. The other thing that I've heard is, well, what if the person is sweating, right? So they're bald, they're sweating, and then sweat could go from their head into the food, um, which is again probably just about it's as it's just as disgusting as hair being in food and it's probably just as likely to cause illness which is vanishingly small right and so right 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 yeah yeah so that that, there's something yeah that's a possibility as well so but so just to uh this is where i like to this is my favorite part of the podcast where i like to interpret the food code sure um and and i i I taught a course uh last week with um with natalie seymour who uh who works for me and, and veronica bryant uh, from our uh, State Department of Health, and and this is where I always get in trouble. It's like, oh, this is what the food code says. Here's how I interpret it. Anyway, I but I'm getting better at reading the food code and reading it as as literal, right? Like when it says things like must, it means or you know shall, it means must, and all that kind of stuff. So if we look at two dash four o two dot eleven, let you know, is that you? I hear you. That's you getting your food code out. Good. Yep. Um, Effectiveness of hair restraints. Hmm. Um, it says explicitly food employees shall wear hair restraints such as hats, hair coverings or nets, beard restraints and clothing that covers body hair that are designed and and this is the part that I want to uh, I'm going to like push back on the sweat stuff designed and worn to effectively keep their hair from contacting exposed food and clean equipment, utensils, linens, and unwrap single-service and single-use articles. But the part that I highlight here is to effectively keep their hair from contacting these things. Doesn't ah, say doesn't say crap, about sweat. Sweat. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's going to keep sweat off it, but the food code's not about sweat. It's about hair. Mm-hmm. So if... And then, you know, and I love the answer that I got that we shared back with our listener, which is, yeah, someone could say, look at this, and, and the, there is an exemption... That says it doesn't apply to food employees such as counter staff who only serve beverages and wrapped or packaged foods, hostesses, and wait staff if they present a minimal risk of contaminating exposed um, food, clean equipment, utensils, blah, 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 all the other stuff. So there are exemptions. But 
if you've got someone who's a chef who is bald, who is preparing food, um, some sort of a restraint would, you know, letter of the law, full implementation of the food code would be required, but it seems pretty unreasonable because the goal is to effectively keep the hair from contacting food, equipment, and linens, and other articles. So it's a dumb, dumb to me if someone says you need to have a hairnet if you're bald or you need to use a hat. Uh, from and it you know it, it, because it you know the goal of the goal of the code is to keep the hair out. Well, but now what if the person is mostly bald and shaves their head, right? And then what if they haven't had a haircut in a little bit? Like how how much yeah. of a hair before it's a hair, right? I, I'm, now now I like I like where we're going. <laughs> I think you're I I think you're right. So is is like a a trim down you know, millimeter cut different than no hair at all. I think it is. Okay. I think, yeah. I mean, I think it, it, in what my, about, what about a half a, what about half a millimeter? What about a, what about half, what about a man bun? Where, <laughs> where, does, where do you draw the line, Don? Yeah, no, I'm, no I'm with buns, you. Like ben, if, no man buns. If, but if hair can fall out, if hair, like if there's hair, we can see this hair. Well, okay. So now, yeah. now we have criteria. So we, we have, have criteria. So, so now, uh, what if uh, what if uh, one inspector has better vision than the other, and one can see the hair and the other can't? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just, with you. Yeah. I'm with you though. Yeah. What if what if we're talking about um, hair on on someone's arm? Uh, right. You know, well, right. right? What, yeah. What if the hair on your head? You can see it, but it's shorter than the hair on your arm. We don't have hair. We don't require hair restraints on people's arm hair. Well, we do re- require clothing that covers body hair. Okay. So, yeah. So, but yeah, I know. Well, I have I'm, I have hair on my knuckles, Ben. I do. My fingers. Yep. I, my, is that should be covered? Is that exactly? And my, my wrist is my wrist is pretty hairy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I think we just found a show title. Show, show title there. Um, so yeah. Um, Oh, there's something. Oh, oh, okay. Let me let let me give you a little uh, little inside baseball. Mm. Um, so you and I are both uh, we we both are on some uh, CFP committees, right? Indeed. Um, and this isn't. I'm not going to talk uh, too much out of tell tales out of school, as they say. Uh, I've been Don. Let me just tell you, I've been using cliches like a madman today, and I've been using them incorrectly, and I've been owning it. Like like, let's not let the cat out of the barn. I said multiple times today, and and then I thought, is that the right cliche? And then no. someone said, no, it's the cat. Cat's in the bag, and I was like, no way, I'm gonna go with barn. Um, cow, okay, cow's so in the bag. Cow's, the cow's in the bag. Uh, it's in the barn. Keep the barn door closed, Don. Um, uh, let me find something that I want to tell you about. So, so I'm a chair of a committee, the Conference for Food Protection on Employee Food Safety Training. And uh, we are we are debating. Uh, one of our charges is to come up with a list of learning objectives that all food employees should be exposed to in a training program. So, like the 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 goal here was there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens state to state, jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Some places require food employee cards, some don't. Um, if you're a place like McDonald's or Walmart or 
uh, Burger King where you've got outlets in, in every state. Now you're trying to build your standard operating procedures that, you know, around training that, that meet all these different requirements. So the goal of this committee was to come up with a set of national, you know, standards for learning objectives, not, not like establish a training program or anything like that. But if you have a training program, it shouldn't meet these, uh, these, um, uh, standards. And so in, um, as part of this this conversation, we have talked quite a bit about um, you know things from the code. And one of the conversations, so so I got together uh, with uh, about eight other people for two days a few weeks ago to take feedback from our entire committee, which is like seventy plus people, and and digest it down into a workable um, a workable document. And one of the areas. Um, you know, that we talked about is in personal uh, hygiene and hand washing, we default to the code for everything. Like if it's not in the code, it's really hard to put it into a training program that is going to be associated with the code. And so one of the, the things that we took learning objective was identify the role of clean outer clothing in preventing food contamination and allergen cross contact. The behavior is wear clean outer clothing. Right. So what what's the first thing that comes to your mind, Don, when you see a learning objective about wear clean outer outer clothing? The first thing that comes to my mind is what's the definition of clean? Okay. Okay. Damn damn you not what I thought you were gonna answer. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I thought you were gonna say, we'll come back to that. Well let me let me put that in the parking lot, Don. Okay. We'll check that off your bingo. Um what about underclothing? What about underwear? Why aren't oh. we talking about clean underwear? Oh and and so we actually well, had that should not contact food. Hopefully. It shouldn't contact food. And also it's not in the code. Ah, mm-hmm. right. So, so this is the, like, and I'm, I, I think I'm just getting better at, at, at how do we translate this? So it's just like this clothing that covers body hair uh, question and, and hair restraints. Um, I, I would feel uh, personally really uncomfortable if we started to like, uh, if we had some national standard about underwear, Right. Like like it's not we don't have a framework for it. Now, a company can talk about their standard operating procedures like you change your underwear every day or whatever it is. But you're exactly right. It's not in the code because it's not really part of contacting food. It's, you know, if someone's not wearing changing their underwear every day, it's gross. But is it increasing the risk? I don't I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't think we have really good data on it. But we do know that clean outer clothing can be a source of um, uh, of contamination. But let's get back to your question. What about clean? What does that even mean? Yeah, visibly clean. Visibly clean. It's in the um, – this is – let me look it up. 2304. 2304-11. This is what it says on outer clothing. Clean condition. Food employees shall wear clean outer clothing to prevent contamination of food, equipment, utensils, linens, and single service and single use articles. That's it. Yeah, it doesn't so. doesn't really tell you what that means. Yeah, because we we got into this a little bit with a hand washing committee, which is disbanded now. About what what does it mean to have clean hands? So visibly clean. Okay, so now uh, I'm handling some blueberries, and I go and I wash my hands, and I do a really good job, but they're still stained blue. They're not visibly clean. They're visibly dirty with blueberry stains, but the risk is you know nominal, right? So right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's this is the this is the difference between science and policy, right? 
Right, right, right. And it's, you know, I'm just looking at the 2013 food code definitions, right? We, there, there's no definition for, for clean. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. Like uh, FDA hasn't suggested in the definitions what it means, but you know what they do have a definition for it on? What's that? Balut. Well, but, so yeah, because because you you know why? I mean, it's because I, because it's easy to define balut. It is easy to define balut. It's hard to define clean. How many times does clean appear in this document? Way more seven, than balut, I bet. <laughs> yeah, seven hundred and fifty three times, according to my uh, trusty find and replace uh, thing. Balut re- uh, uh, appears twelve. Yeah. Uh and so and and in most of those, it actually only appear, appears in the code in, as an egg, and it doesn't incl- include an egg. It, you know, it's not; it's exempt from eggs. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to uh, uh, talk a little bit about about that. So these are, I mean, this kind of stuff, and I, I think you're exactly right. This is the difference between policy and science. And I, what is I? I think the rosters for. Um, CFP are going to get announced soon. So what I hear, like mm. who's going to be on council, and and if and if you have you and I are battling it out mm. to be members of Council Three, I wrote a very impassioned, um, very very detailed reason why I think I'd like to be there. Whoa! And I think I think you kind of like winged it. You're like, yeah, yeah. I should be there. I like, I like it. come on, look at look come at on. this. How can you not? How can you not want this on your Council Three? But I, I honestly, I really, I really, I, I, whatever. It's fine. I, <laughs> Really, you are. I really don't care. Are you preparing to, for rejection right now? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. It's okay. It's okay. Do you want to read what I uh, what I wrote, Don? Not really. It'll make me feel bad that I didn't try hard enough. My experiences with CFP in 2014 and 16 have shaped my career immensely. <laughs> oh my goodness! How it starts interacting and providing science based opinion on retail issues has led me to spend over 50% of my research and extension on areas uh, like ROP, certified food protection managers, training and variances. After sitting as an, Don, Don, I really poured it out. I wrote this like I, I, and and it is all, this is all true. This is just from, from my heart. I hope I get on. Uh, Anyway. Well, based on the, yeah, no, I'm good for you. I mean, people that try hard, you know, that's another thing, Ben. I don't know if you know this about uh, about hockey, but um, you can show up on time and uh, you can try, you can try hard, and uh, and and neither of those things are related to your skill. So oh, it's true, it's true, and also, I, it's I, not anywhere in this did I mention I will also be 18 minutes late to most CFP things. Exactly. <laughs> oh damn. Um, hey, so so, so what? Wh- well, before we leave uh, food code, we have uh, listener feedback and food code related feedback, all in the same question. Go so go. Uh, so uh, this says uh, you can read my message, but not my name. Uh, so hi Ben and Don, I am a new friend of the podcast. So I think that that's uh, that's become a thing now. Is that uh, it? Friend of the pod. Cast. Uh, so, so thanks to everyone for embracing that. Um, uh, I really enjoy listening to both of you. I'm hoping to meet you at the FDA uh, Central Regional Seminar in September. Yes, indeed. Uh, please do, uh, anonymous listener, please do come up and say hello. Um, one quick comment on the food service manager who attended the IAFP conference to learn why. I applaud him for being interested in the science behind food safety and recommend also to use Annex 3 of the FDA food code to find many answers to the whys. 
I've used it for many years and still find it useful. Uh, and talking about public health reasons, I've enjoyed listening to Don talk about his hand-washing study and love all the conversation that his results have sparked. I truly believe that is the spirit of the study, that the spirit of the study is focused on the findings, on findings, the variables that can, finding the variables that can affect and change food employee behaviors in the hopes of increasing effective hand-washing practices. However, I was wondering if you took into consideration in the study or maybe in other studies, the effectiveness of water temperature on, quote, removing the fatty soils encountered in kitchens, as stated in Annex 3. Uh, I have many other questions and comments, but I will keep it to one at a time. Thank you, uh, anonymous listener. Um, yeah, so so thanks, and again, please do say hi in September. Um, yeah, so, so Annex 3 is useful. Um, <clears throat> however, I have discovered uh, through reading f- bits of it with a, a, a laser-like focus um, – uh, with a particular objective in mind, that it's not as science-based or as correct as we like. And so uh, my most recent experience was this. with this was uh, the article um, that I wrote for uh, Journal of Food Protection on uh, basically uh, time as a public health control and, and looking at uh, food out of temperature control. There's a bunch of stuff in Annex 3 that was just flat wrong. Um, and, and I will find, uh, I will find my, my JFP article and we, we will link to that. And that was the, some of the work uh, that I did for uh, the folks from Restaurant Depot, Jetro Restaurant Depot, uh, basically helping them um, sort of navigate this world and provide advice to their customers. Um, uh, as far as fat on the hands, uh, it's, it's, I think it's still an open question. Um, we, uh, so the, 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 the student who published the uh, water temperature stuff, that was uh, my student, Dane Jensen, um, uh, he, we also did, he also did some research that was part of that same dissertation, although a different manuscript, uh, which is also published. And uh, we looked at uh, hand-washing with meat. Uh, debris on the hands, and again, uh, I don't have that study in front of me, but I can I can call it uh, up and, and take a look at it if you want to discuss it more. But basic, basically, it turns out it's kind of complicated. And just working from memory here, I believe um, the way the the results that we showed was that if you put um, if you put hamburger debris on the hands, um, sometimes you actually had a more effective hand wash because there was a visual cue to people that they had uh, that debris on their hands, and so they they at least we were that's our 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 thoughts about this is that they they tried harder to wash it, and so again the results were not a, they were sort of what you thought they would be, but not quite exactly. And so again, as I said to this listener, it turns out it's it's complicated and it depends. So. Um, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on Appendix Three, Ben? Yeah. No. I mean, I think Appendix Three serves um, a a, um, a need of really diving a little bit more in depth as so to why. Like it does. It does provide um, uh, it attempts to provide some messages, and I, I also like point into Annex Two, which you know goes section by section of the food code for the references. You know, and and I. You and I have talked about this a lot, and I, I use the food code as an example of, I, I would say, the most referenced um, set of uh, model regulations. Like like everything everything that's in the code has some sort of a reference associated with it. Now, uh, sometimes those references, and, and this one exactly, I, I think is 
a little bit inadequate. So if we look to um, if we look to Annex three on where it talks about fatty stuff. Um, hang on, let me find it. I just had it. Basically says you have to look to the ASTM hand washing guidelines. Like that's why that's why it's there. Right. And and then when you look to those yeah, so warp this is what like just a the listener sort of included some of this, but quote from Annex 3, warm water is more effective than cold water in removing the fatty soils encountered in kitchens. An adequate flow of warm water will cause soap to lather and aid in flushing soil quickly from the hands. ASTM standards for testing the efficacy of hand-washing formulations specify a water temperature of 40 degrees Celsius plus or minus 2 degrees Celsius, which is 100 to 108 Fahrenheit. Um, goes on to say an well, adequate flow temperature. Yes. But that's, but that's just an ASTM standard. Exactly. There's, there's, that doesn't mean it's science-based. Right, yeah. right. And so then, so, so in fact, like that, I mean, that, so, so, okay, we go to, to Annex 3, it says the reason why it's in here is because of this ASTM standard for testing efficacy of hand washing. Well, then let's go. So, where I went was let me look then in Annex 2, what are the references for, you know, this is hand washing sink, sink installation. It's related to 5 202.12, like that's the area. Well, the references for this are all ASTM. So it's um, how do we, you know, standard test method for determining virus limiting effectiveness of liquid hygiene hand wash, um, standard for evaluating hand washing formulations for virus limiting activities in the entire hand. It is all, you know, a, a approved standard test method for evaluation of healthcare personal hand wash. So, as you, so it, it doesn't, in almost all the other sections, we're talking about things like, oh, let's look at service sync. Quite, you know, here's a, a reference from 2009 from uh, Mokhtari and Jacobs quanti- quantitative exposure model for transmission of norovirus and retail food pre- preparation. Like we've got peer-reviewed documents, but for this one explicitly, we're now just looking at the standards. And and as you said, when you dive a little deeper into that um, ASTM standards, it's maybe not ba- based on the best available science. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, yeah, so the, and we'll, <laughs> we'll link to this. So the, the first article I was talking about is a paper entitled Utilization of Mathematical Models to Manage the Risk of Holding Cold Food Without Temperature Control, which was published in, in JFP. And, and basically, uh, at, at the t- so this was published in um, 2013, um, before the, the, that, that year's code came out. And so basically, it's the t- uh, 2009 model code and the annex um, to the 2009 code that I am critiquing. Um, uh, and, you know, just to read from the article, FDA expounds upon some of the risks that may develop when a food is removed from refrigerated stores. Storage. Um, the annex uh, notes the 2000 Conference for Food Protection meeting uh, that it recommended that FDA ask the National Advisory Committee to review the food code provision uh, using time alone as a public health control. Um, there is uh, FDA provides a position paper. Okay, so this is a non-peer-reviewed, this is what we think, written by FDA scientists on using time alone as a public health control. And uh, basically, the position paper makes a number of statements that refer to the scientific literature in support of food code guidance. Uh, The position paper states that listeria is a primary organism of concern when food will be held out of temperature control. 
um, because at least in in part because El Mono grows more rapidly than Salmonella at refrigeration and room temperatures. In fact, if you believe the computer models like Combase, that's not true. If you, there's a certain point where it crosses, and above a certain temperature, greater than 17 degrees C, everything else being the same, Salmonella actually grows faster. So, and I, and I go on, you know, just you know, paragraph after paragraph, basically pointing out things that are in this FDA position paper that are just wrong. Okay, and or or are now wrong, right? And so they they, they make a statement about well, there uh, the position paper uh, says that the models available in the uh, USDA pathogen modeling program, um, uh, let's see. Um, uh, one of the limitations is that there are no models available that could consider changing temperatures when predicting growth. Well, guess what? Now there are models available. Uh, Combase is one uh, that they're very nicely handles uh, changing temperatures. And so, again, you know, yes, Annex 3 is great, and it is the scientific support for the code, but it is don't read it and then, and then make up your own mind, right? Right, don't, right. Don't treat... Well, it's in Annex 3, therefore it's gospel, right? Uh, you really have to read it yourself. You really have to dig into the literature. And, you know, the other thing, too, that I tell my graduate students all the time is just because a paper says something, like our, here are our data, and from this, thus and such are true, I say don't just trust them. Go right, and right. look at the figure yourself. Look at the table yourself and come to your own conclusion because people say stuff that's not right all the time. And and people don't reference real well, right? So, yeah, like, sometimes. Yeah. Or, or, or sometimes they yeah. – oh, um, they'll, cite, they'll cite a reference in support of something and you go and you read that reference and you realize, well – a reference doesn't really say that at all. You have to go back and check the original sources and, and then and then not just check the source to see that the source says that, but then read the paper yourself and come and try to come to the conclusion whether it's correct or not. Right, right. And that so um you know, sometimes you, you end up reading something where someone cites a paper and they it, the, yeah, they said that, but it was in their introduction or it was in their conclusions, right. and it had nothing it, to do with their data. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'll do this all the time when I'm reviewing manuscripts is I'll see, you know, the, 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 the manuscript I'm reviewing says, well, blah, blah, blah is true, and then cite, you know, Jones and Smith. Well, I go – I don't necessarily always go and look at the Jones and Smith paper, but I will look at the title of the paper, right? Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. like, well, that title is on something compl- – yeah, it's on that topic. But it wasn't. It doesn't prove the point. And so, and again, in many cases, I'm familiar with the point that they're trying to make. I'm familiar with the paper that they're citing, and I'm like, this is sloppy scholarship, right? Yeah, do, yeah. do not do this, right? Do not go and find it. Yeah, it's their opinion, but it's not what they studied. Go, go and get, go and get that paper, and then find the references, and then go get that paper and find and you and it, go all the way back as far as you can because otherwise I mean, we're just in we're in this we have this habit then of just perpetuating stuff that's just simply not true I, I, yeah this so coming back to um earlier in the podcast when i talked about my conversation with adam yi on my food job rocks he asked a question about like you know something like what makes for a good you know person who has your job and and i you know the, what, what are the skills that are necessary and the number one thing that came to mind was like be critical like don't don't just look at something and 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 believe it or you know the, it, it comes down to the show me the data um, mantra 
Uh, but but like trust trust no one in all X Files and, uh, and and just be critical. Like like just don't I don't take it at face value because they might have got it wrong, and and you might or your interpretation may, may be different. So no, it's that's for those who for listeners that's that's the skill that I think you know that I've learned throughout my career from you know folks like. You know, Pete Snyder and Carl Custer and, and you and 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 Doug's like just question it, question it all. Right, right. And so and, and just to 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 close this loop before we open another one or or before I I, I reloop I reloop around again. Um, the uh the paper the other paper I was talking about is one entitled "Quantifying the Effect of Hand Wash Duration, Soap Use, Ground Beef Debris, and Drying Methods on the Removal of Enterobacter Erogenes from Hands." And just reading from the abstract, um, when there was no debris on the hands, there was no significant difference between washing with and without soap. Likewise, there was no significant difference in the reductions achieved when washing without soap, whether or not debris was on the hands. A significantly greater reduction in the organism was observed with soap when there was ground beef debris on the hands. And so, you know, it, yeah, the, the idea that you could end this, you know, ground beef is protein and fat, but it kind of comes back to the listener's comment about, about fat and, and the annex. Right. Um, so it turns out if you really study this, it turns out it's kind of complicated. And then the last thing just relevant, relevant to this idea of, um, uh, uh, going back and checking the original literature, I always think about this wonderful, and I won't. Um, I'll, I'll link to um, a uh, a blog post called "The Case of the Creeping Fox Terrier Clone," uh, which is about something else, but but specifically the case of the creeping fox terrier clone is an essay um, by Stephen Jay Gould, um, who, by the way, if you're listening to this and you have not read anything by Stephen Jay Gould and you're interested in science and you want to know what really good science writing is, go and read some, some Stephen Jay Gould. Um, I think this essay is from his book, uh, Bully for Brontosaurus, but, but basically he talks about, um, well, he's talking about the evolution of the modern horse. Um, but, um, uh, and so there's a early proto horse called Hyra Cotherium, um, uh, which is repeatedly referenced as being, quote, the size of a fox terrier. Uh, and reading from the blog post now, to his surprise, uh, he, Gould, found a large proportion of the books he reviewed. But when he actually came to think about it, he realized that he had absolutely no idea what a fox terrier looked like, nor how big a fox terrier is, nor did anyone he knew. It wasn't a common breed. This suggested that the people who'd written all of these science textbooks and use that fox terrier comparison probably didn't know what one looked like either. So they copied <laughs> the definition from previously published books, probably. Um, so anyway, I won't spoil it for you. Um, read the blog post. Um, go and, and find a copy of this essay by Stephen Jay Gould, uh, the, cre- the Case of the Creeping uh, Fox Terrier Clone, um, and then find everything else by, by Stephen Jay Gould that you can read. He's just – he's a remarkable writer. I am adding that added to show notes. Cool. Um, that yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, so, a couple of things uh, before I got there. I mean, there's some good stuff. We so we got stuff on our list. I got to talk about Blue Apron. Yes. Um, we got to talk about uh, sponges. Okay. Um, and I want to talk about uh, there's one other thing that you. 
that we had here. Oh, oh, okay. This one, this one's quick, and then we'll get to Blu-ray burn. Okay. Um, this this is from uh, someone who uh, who we know on Twitter, and it's all like public because I think he tweeted at us. Um, uh, John Kimball. And so John John tweeted this really. I think is this correct or is it a message? No, it's it's public. Okay. Um, okay. So, so hopefully we haven't just blown uh, John's uh, cover. But um, he sent us an outbreak or sorry a recall notice that is fascinating that I want to get your your yeah. thought on. Yes. Okay. So this recall notice is for um, a product called the Comfy Cow or you know coming from the comfy cow and they're recalling pints of uh, a bunch of different ice creams but they're recalling them due to the possible due to possible e coli contamination and or high coliform counts mm-hmm. um and so uh, here this is the the republishing of this recall notice on FDA's website, um, the Comfy Cow is recalling pints of banana pudding, y'all, chocolate squared, cookies and cream, cow tracks, double fold vanilla, Georgia butter pecan, blah, 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 all these things. Due to a potential contamination of E. coli, E. coli bacteria can cause diarrhea and dehydration. Most people who are infected recover, but the bacteria can be deadly. The firm, so on, and this is, so, um, you know the the fun stuff is let's get let's come back to high coliform counts in a minute. Um, but on on July nineteenth, the firm was notified through internal firm product sample testing that some of these pints um, were either positive for E. coli or showed high coliform counts. No illnesses have been reported to date. So let's let, let me give you the date again, Don. You may have to write this down. July nineteenth. The publication of this uh, um, recall notice was on August 8th. And those are not like it's we're in the Julian ca- uh, calendar and it doesn't go like you find out on July 19th and then you publish the next day or even two days later after you make a decision. We're talking like two plus weeks later, this recall comes out. Um, the products were distributed between June 13th and uh, July uh, 20, 21st, and uh, they were uh, sold in retail stores in Kentucky, Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. Uh, really nice pictures. I love the logo. I why so generic E. coli in an ice cream? That's not a not a great thing. Coliform, Don. I I don't know. I kind of expect that you'd see some coliform, especially in like things where you're using fresh you know fresh fruits and vegetables maybe uh maybe like strawberry field forever and banana pudding y'all you might see some coliform right yeah but it shouldn't be there right like these should be heat treated um and and you shouldn't see coliforms you shouldn't see e coli but the, yeah there's there there's so much about this that's just weird and i think a lot of it probably we can just chalk up to the fact that i think uh comfy cow is probably not a real experienced food processor. Um, the firm was notified through internal firm product testing. So the firm notified itself when it tested <laughs> yeah, they, stuff on the 19th of July and their recall notice is on August 8th. So that's a bit of a delay. There's no uh, E. coli bacteria can cause diarrhea. Yeah, but most strains are not harmful. So it, it conflates those two things. Um 
Yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, I mean, it's good for them that they recalled it, but it should have happened faster and this, they should have written a better announcement, I think. Um, you know, I mean, if you, if you have positive test results, I would hope that you would, you would react within a couple of days. So I don't yeah. know. I mean, th there seems to be something maybe going on between the lines here in terms of like why, you know, why, uh, why, why it happened the way that it did. So I, there's some missing pieces here, but yeah, thanks to, uh, uh, thanks to John for, for bringing this to our attention. This is, uh, yeah, I think this is just a, a small company that maybe just, you know, just doesn't really quite understand what they're supposed to be doing. I, I guess I, that's, I would give them the benefit of the doubt there, but, but I mean, yeah. again, you know, so get better next time guys. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to come back to the, the heat treatment though. So tell me, mm -hmm. so with, so I've made, have you made, you, we, we got an ice cream maker at home. Um, I, I make strawberry ice cream with, with no heat treatment. Okay. That's like fine. It's, but, yeah. But you like can I, make it for your family. I do and, make it for my family, yeah, but you I buy, and you buy strawberries in the store, which you would eat anyway without making them into ice cream. Right. 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 So but I, that's, I think, I, I think that's I, different. I, so I think that, Let's let's do a little follow up on this because I think that a lot of the, um, not like th these uh, boutique uh, artisanal uh, type um, ice cream makers that are making like funky like lavender rose hip blueberry ice cream, um, I I I think they're no cook. I think they're no cook. I don't I, like that's I think this this is a lot of fresh fruit that's going into this. This type of stuff, like in, oh. and that it's making into commerce. <laughs> okay, well, I, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, right, right, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I just think that that is like if you know we're comparing Ben and Jerry's to, um, you know, uh, you know the the next scoop or whatever the you know the the place that's selling it and selling pints at at retail. I I think there I think there's a lot of no cook going on. Yes. Or, if you and if you look at this is weird. I'm looking at their website right now, um, and there is uh, so if, on the main page. There's something that says our customers, uh, and then underneath it, it says our product is good. Uh, no worries. Our scoop shop flavors are fine. Click on image for recall details, and then you do that, and it takes you to a very short blog post that says we took immediate corrective actions and tested clean with follow-up inspections. We voluntarily recalled the pints that were in, that were made for our retail stores. Yeah. You voluntarily did. Cause that's, that's every recall. Um, right. we have taken extra precautions to make sure that none of the voluntary recalled pint lot numbers are in the scoop shops. Safety of our customers, loyal customers are our first priority. Okay. I, I want to know what precautions have you taken to prevent this from happening in the future? No mention. Right. No, I, I, I would like to know that seems yeah. like a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this, um, yeah. Tell us, tell us more about it. And yeah, the more that, it, that I kind of look at this, it, it, you know, I think it is a, um, you know, they've got retail, they're not selling them at retail stores, like through Publix. They're selling it at their scoop their, shops. Their scoop shops. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, you know, I, I, you know, ice cream, uh, we go back to Bluebell, the, and then, uh, Jenny's, um, ice cream is, uh, is the new, is the new spinach in my, in my mind. I think people, it's, we're moving more people are looking at this and, and I, you know, I, I think 
I think there's risks and we didn't even, I mean, I know there's risks, but I think there's, there's more, the more hazards there than we thought about it. And people, I think just like, like, just like with the strawberry stuff are looking at it and like, it's ice cream. How can it make you sick? It's great. Ice cream's amazing. Right. Like, like it's the, the purveyors of ice cream in in these smaller shops, I don't think, uh, have a full grasp on, on hazards and how to control them. And, and that's a that's a really generic statement, but I think there's there's there are people out there that are having trouble with it. Yeah, and I um yeah this is uh, and again I'm having trouble kind of so we see we see what's on the FDA's website, we see a different notice on the Comfy Cow website, and I'm just wondering like where so where's this actual recall notice besides on the FDA website, right? Um, and I I don't I don't see it anywhere. I mean I see it yeah. maybe covered in the press and the popular press, but I don't, I don't see it on their website. And so, nope. yeah, I, I don't know. Hey, so comfy cow, if you're listening, um, that's great that you're making, you're taking extra precautions to make sure that none of the voluntarily recalled pint lot numbers are in the scoop shops. What precautions are you taking to prevent the problem? How did the problem happen? Did, yep. What do you know about how the problem happened? Right. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, us... not, I'm not comfortable. No, no, I'm not comfy. I'm... I'm not comfy. I'm not comfy. I'm not a comfy cow here, Don. No, I'm not a, com- I'm not a comfy cow. Uh, hey, so so I got Blue Apron. Yes, yes. They're, this they're not a sponsor. Let's, they're not a sponsor. Nope. Um, and it was so so. Thank thanks to you. I, I uh, you know the last podcast you mentioned that you had some invites that were available. I snapped one up. I uh, uh, got got one. I they asked me when I might want it. And I told them, send it, send it now. Uh, and, uh, and I received, uh, this week, well, I guess uh, a week ago, uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, um, three, uh, uh, nice meals. Um, and so, uh, my current ones, I, I received a sweet and spicy beef, crispy chicken tenders and hot honey. And an olive and pepper grilled cheese sandwich. Very, very tasty. I, I in fact, taste wise, I thought that it was great. The, uh, did you did you get your blue apron this week? Did you get something? We did not. We've taken. Skipped, yeah, we we've skipped taking, a yeah. couple of weeks just because uh, we were, you know, Kristen just wanted a break from cooking blue apron. She wanted to make her own stuff. Um, yeah. And actually, it's New Jersey. Um, tomatoes are in season, so we've been eating a lot of pasta with fresh tomatoes. Um, just to eat that up. So, um, so we took a pass. So we, we did, and I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember if the deliveries we skipped included the foods that you're talking about and I'm not sure that they do. So they may have regional distribution differences. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it works, but, um, so yeah, so we took a pass, but boy, those, the sandwich that you, uh, the, the grilled cheese that you posted, the picture that you posted or you text, you texted to me looked really good. So it was really good. Yeah, it was, it was really good. And I had to, (laughs) I like that you've changed my name in text to Zippy Chapman. Still, still uh, and, yeah, yep. Uh, and um, but yeah, so I even plated it nice, and you know, took a nice picture for Instagram. Anyway, so here's uh, I I did not have a chance to verify temperature. Um, the uh, blue uh, apron but, box but your, arrived, but your wife did. She did, yeah, but she didn't take the temperature. She well, said she, it was cold. She verified it was cold, Ben. It was cold. <laughs> it was cold, and then it went cool right to, into the cool fridge. Cool to the touch. Cool to the touch. Uh, and, um, and so everything went, you know, and right in, right into the fridge. Um, and, and yeah, so, and it sat there same, same thing. I, we received it on Friday and I didn't start making stuff until Sunday afternoon. 
So um, we did a meal Sunday, a meal Monday, and a meal Tuesday uh, from from my Friday delivery. Um, and and I wrote a little bit about this in in Barf Blog, yep. um, but it, so it was great. But they, there's no no mention. I'm, they give me all this raw meat, and they don't say, say anything about temperatures. And in fact, so they they include on the package that's required the safe handling instructions, the generic ones that um, that USDA FSIS require. Um, but it, usually, those are accompanied with, with um, packaging uh, information and labels and, and like commercial instructions, and not on the package itself nor on uh the recipe did it say cook this chicken to 165 degrees fahrenheit and use a thermometer to measure it but it did tell me like so the, so that was there but it, it, i thought it was fascinating that they spent a lot of real estate on the uh uh instruction uh bag or uh instruction sheet about making sure i wash my hands after i handled a, a chili pepper because I, w- I don't want i you know i don't want that getting in my eye Huh. But but nothing on food safety. Huh. Wow. I, yeah, yeah. And it wouldn't, I, fat, wouldn't like to me fast. Would wouldn't be hard. Like you've circled here until golden brown and cooked through parentheses uh, one sixty five. They could have put right. Uh, you right. Know, so that wouldn't wouldn't take in that much space. Um, yeah. Interesting. And nowhere. Yeah. So it's just. I mean, if these are destined for people who are you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the market is. If it's you and I who, who we, we cook things and we prepare foods quite a bit and this just makes it easier or if it's like, hey, I'm going to get into making meals and here they are going to show up and it's going to make it easier. Whatever it is, the mess, you know, the message is not not there on, uh, on any sort of food safety stuff. So that's what I, what I took away from, uh, from it. Yep. And it's, it's the meal instructions. Nice. Are good. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that was it. Oh, it's a nice blog post. Uh, we will definitely link to it. And I will say, too, a couple of uh, listeners have taken me up on the offer uh, of uh, uh, the free offers. I still have a few of them left. So <clears throat> by all means, reach out via email or uh, Twitter. Uh, one thing Blue Apron does ask for is uh, uh, first and last name and email address. And so um, although there was one person um, that tweeted at me and I didn't know their last name and so I made up something, um, but I did have their email address. Um, so, nice. <laughs> But I will need first and last name. doesn't have to be yours, I suppose. Uh, you can be something else, but, um, uh, but, but certainly I do need an email address. But I'm happy to – I've got three more and so happy to, happy to send them out to anybody who would like them to, to try. So, um, so what do you, so, I mean, and we've, we've had this discussion before that you, you actually like to go shopping. Um, it's a thing that you do. Um, so do you think that you'll be doing any more blue apron? So I think we're going to keep it and skip like the next five or six weeks. Right. Um, and then, so we're going to, it'll be there. It was nice. Like these are three meals that I would not have made. Like, like I, yes, it was stuff and it was good. Like the. Um, I really enjoyed, um, the sweet and spicy beef was, it was intricate. I mean that it was not, not an easy recipe. <laughs> there was a lot of, like I, I, we had to prepare, um, some fried, uh, shallots. There was rice, there was ground beef, there was vegetables. It was like, it was a pretty involved meal and it doesn't look like it would be that involved. It was like, oh, this is all in one pot, but it wasn't. Um, but it was really good. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so it was, so I think we're going to do that. We're just going to keep, you know, I've set a reminder on my calendar to just go look at blue apron every week to see if there's anything that we want. 
and then well the default i wish the default was unskip yeah uh but i understand the business model why that would not oh, yeah. probably be there yep. yeah. and in fact we were caught already on this week because i was like oh we'll see how this week goes and then i got the it's, notification it's already before yeah oh, it's, it's shipped it's coming yep. it's coming your way yep. so so anyway, you, we're, we're we've got nothing yeah, and you can change the delivery day, but but you, yeah. but again, weekend. And I understand I, they, it's a it's a huge logistics problem that they're trying to solve. Um, so I understand why it's 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 the it's the way it is. But uh, yeah, yeah. So so it was it was good. Yeah, I, um, and there are some other ones out there, right? So we may yep. invest in, in a couple other different meal kits, um, uh, like like try them try them out. But it was yeah, I enjoyed that it all came. And I didn't have to go anywhere. Like that part was mm-hmm. was easy. And and like I said, it's these are I I like to make grilled cheese sandwiches. I would not have made a grilled cheese sandwich with peppers and olives and um the you know this salad was really good that was with it. It was so it was it was really it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. So thanks for sharing that with. Yep. Me. Yep. And oh, and thank you also in your blog post for linking to. Yeah, the interview that I did with uh, WRVO Public Radio. Uh, we'll, you, I will just, I well, I guess we can we can link to that as well in the show notes. But uh, I talked about um, our meal kits and and some of the work that we're doing with the CFP committee and and what the issues are. So this is really an issue that is not uh, is not going away. Actually, the the meeting uh, with Bill Hallman uh, that I talked about yesterday uh, was to talk to a company. Uh, that has, um, you know, is interested in, in packaging uh, for these kind of problems, and they think they have an innovative solution uh, to help with temperature control. So yeah, so this is, uh, you know, this is this is ongoing. This is the I think that this is a big um, market segment. I think it's going to continue to grow, and uh, I'm I don't want to be negative here, but I wonder when the first outbreak is going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen, like, right? Because yeah. you know, foods are risky, right? Yeah, exactly. Foods are risky, and um, and, and, and outbreaks happen in restaurants, right? Like we're right. talking about a distribution chain. Like this is, um, where, wherever they got their scallions from that I used in two of my meals, those scallions went to a bunch of other people and there's, you know, the, the, maybe they got hepatitis A on them every once in a while or Shigella or whatever it is. Right. Well, so and, it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and look at the, look at the, uh, the, the leafy greens, the, the, um, spinach outbreak, the F the, the spinach outbreak from uh, 2006 or whenever it was, that was all stuff that mostly came through supermarkets. Right. And so if that exactly. company had been a supplier to, uh, to one of these meal kit companies, boom, you know, that would have, would have happened. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and it'll be, but you're, I, I think you're right. It won't be, about the lettuce or the scallions, it'll be Blue Apron right. has an outbreak, and right. our our meal, you know, our meal's safe, right? Our meal kit safe. Our so. meal kit safe, exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, cool. Uh, sponges, Don. We gotta yes. we gotta talk about sponges before we go before we leave. Yes. Um, so there was uh, a lot of coverage last week. New York Times uh, picked this up. Um, I saw it first on Facebook from a uh, friend, friend of the podcast and, and good friend, Manon Sharma. Um, and, uh, then we, uh, had a post on, on barf blog for Rob Mancini about sponges. Um, and it all kind of comes out of this, uh, paper that was in, uh, nature, I think it was science. Uh, it was in somewhere. scientific reports, scientific which reports, is, maybe. which yes. is, on nature.com, it is not the – and I, I, was, I was quite irate about this, um, and I incorrectly uh, commented on the internet that it was from the journal Nature. It's not. It's a 
journal that is an offshoot of Nature, but it but it was on the it, it is under the umbrella of the Nature brand, if you will. Yeah, yeah right, right. Um, and it is a paper uh, entitled "Microbiome Analyses and Confocal Microscopy of Used Kitchen Sponges Reveal." Massive, Don, t- terrible, massive colonization. No, I've, I've added that in. Massive colonization by Acinetobacter, uh, uh, Morexella, and Acinetobacter, I, I think is how you I say can't, that. I don't know how to, pr- okay. I don't know how to pronounce okay. these things. Uh, Morexella, and uh, how do you pronounce this last one? Chrysiobacterium species. Yeah. Uh, so. So, so, so how did how do they how do they do this, Don? So, how do these uh, scientists in Germany do this? Well, first of all, they went and they got some sponges, Ben, because you need to have sponges to do sponge research. Okay. Yep. And they they collected some sponges, and then they also asked people. It was very scientific the way they did this. They asked people, "How often do you replace your sponges?" And they also asked them. How do you sanitize or do you sanitize your sponges and if so, how? And and they got some sponges and they asked some questions and then they did a whole lot of really fancy microbiology, Ben. Do, From, do you have any I, other like questions a of, for me? <laughs> um, they must have used a lot of sponges to get this really fancy microbiology. They, like, they did, Ben. They used more than 10. More they than used, 10. In fact, almost, almost, almost halfway 50. to 20. <laughs> Almost fifteen. Yes, not almost not fifteen. Yeah, they uh, used they used fourteen. They used fourteen sponges. Um, five, how did they recruit these sponges, Don? I don't know, Ben. They, I guess they went and just talked to people. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't I know. Right. They don't say. They don't say. Right. Um, and uh, and five uh, five of those sponges. Five of the people that they got the sponges from. Um, s- uh, said that they um, uh, uh, cleaned their sponges. Um, and they either cleaned their sponges by heating in a microwave or by rinsing their sponges. This is very important, Ben. They rinse their sponges in hot, soapy water. Hot, soapy water. Now, how many of the five, Ben, used a microwave? Uh, I think one, Don. We don't, don't know. know. Don't know the to that. We don't know, Ben, because the authors didn't tell us. They, oh. did, they didn't tell us. Okay, so we don't know. Oh, but but they say don't use a microwave. Yeah, based on There's, some number that's less than five. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, data points. Yeah. You know what I think is really interesting as well, just to be real scientific about it. Mm. Um, when when they ask people, this this comes from. Uh, which so one the, there's a lot of bad things about this paper. There's one really good thing about this paper, and that it has supplementary information and a video file. And the supplementary information is like 20 pages of extra stuff, which I like, mm-hmm. including a table um, that talks about sponges and the frequency of cleaning and change. And did you the so I think that. They use them either daily, dawn, or not daily. Mm-hmm. Not that's that's a very like you know that's a that's a yes or no. Or they change them either weekly or monthly. Right. Uh, and I think that probably if you ask me how often do I change my sponge, I don't know if I could guess. 
because I don't I don't know how often we change them. I think I change them when they're done, when we don't <laughs> use them anymore. Um, but but if I was asked to put it into weekly or monthly, I'd be like, ah, I think more like lo- well, it's probably not weekly. It's probably more like monthly. monthly but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, probably I, don't know. I would, how I would give the same answer. Yep. Um, anyway, so yeah, but anyway, this the so as, as you said, um, not not a whole lot of info. Uh, not a large study. All I, assuming, I assume, all coming from the same geographic location in Germany. Yep. Uh, or or very close by. Uh, you know, fifteen different different households or fourteen households, um, and uh, the you know uh, the big big bang answer in pop culture was um, probably you should uh, throw your sponges out every week. Based right, on like, yeah, based on really very little information. So right. I mean, this made a big splash. The authors said a lot of things uh, that I just that this just not backed up by the by the by the the, the report. So yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah private households in the greater area of uh, Villingen Schwengeningen, uh, which is Baden Württemberg, <laughs> Germany. Um, so and they're, they're in the supplemental material. Uh, they have a map of uh, of that, um, but there's but there's anyway. We will link to the PDF, but I will warn everybody in advance the uh, the links uh, to the supplementary materials in the PDF uh, don't appear to uh, don't appear to work correctly. So so there's some issues with with digging this stuff up. If you go to the nature.com website, um, you can find uh, you can sort of find your way to the supplemental materials eventually if you click a lot of links and you don't get too too discouraged. So. Yeah, it's um, you know, I, again, I, I I thanks to these guys for doing the research. I guess good for them for having a press release and getting picked up. But uh, they're I'm really disappointed that no journalists asked kind of pointed questions that pointed out you know some of the problems. Right, right, right. Well, and and just like I, I don't know, I guess the the quotes are quite interesting from you know New York Times. Um, when quote when people at home try to clean their sponges, they make it worse, says Doctor Yurt. Similar to how people can encourage antibiotic resistant bacteria if they don't follow the doctor's orders, he says if you can't clean it perfectly, it maybe best best to replace it with a new one every week or so. Especially if quote it starts to move. I don't know what that means, but I guess it means if it's really dirty. Yeah. Well, and, now, and how, how, but, but Ben, how would one clean a sponge perfectly? That's that's a. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And they, you know, because they, in fact, they say disinfecting it as many tried does not necessarily work. You can microwave a sponge, throw it in the laundry or dishwasher, dust it in vinegar or other cleansing solutions or even cook it in a pot. But the researchers discovered more uh, of the potentially pathogenic bacteria like Morexella on the sponges collected from people who said they routinely disinfect them. And how did Uh, they routinely disinfect them, Ben? Or did they just lie? We don't know. Well, remember how they routinely disinfected them was... Some number less than five microwave them. Yeah. And some number less than five wash them in hot soapy water. None of them used a dishwasher. No details on how they might have microwaved them. No information on the length of time. Like, okay, so this sponge that I am collecting from you, do you clean it? Yes. Okay. Do you use a microwave? Yes. When did you last microwave the sponge, right? Because if you are changing them monthly and you're microwaving them weekly – and you microwave it on a Sunday because that's what you do. You have a, the Sunday microwave sponge microwaving time, and we're collecting it on a Saturday, the next Saturday. Well, you've had a week of using that sponge. So, I mean, it's 
<sighs> yeah, for, uh. for the for the uh, the poor execution of the. I mean, and again, fantastic science, really cool stuff. But but the kind of the 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 step one of of data collection and science and experimental design. This was this was an exploratory study. Which was very interesting, but but the but you they just way overstated, you know, the importance of the findings based on you know kind of crappy. And I want, well, let's not say crappy. Let's just, this is this was this is this is this is not this is preliminary data, Ben. This is not this is yeah. not a, a, a the definitive study on sponges. This is preliminary data to do maybe a better job. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well. Well. Did, so somewhere you tweeted. And I don't know. I didn't follow this up by clicking, but but in some one of the coverage that they the this group they they do research on treadmills. Is that true? Oh, Did I don't I know. That up? I, I, I not something I tweeted. I, I don't. Think. Oh, okay. So and that that I you know the, I I remember saying something like well maybe we should you know we know a little bit about food safety maybe we should get into treadmills. If that's, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because uh, the last line of the. Um, New York Times uh, article is um, now I'm an expert on how to clean sponges, said Dr. Eager, who wants to compare disinfection methods in a follow-up study. Quote, I'm waiting for the sponge industry to call me. Well, I'm sure the sponge industry is pretty pretty happy with you since you said you should throw your sponge out every week and yeah, buy a new well, one. Yeah, exactly. They, uh, that they they that they're delighted with that. Yeah, they're probably they're, they're, they're line right up. So yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm willing to do a study that says uh, you can throw your throw your sponges out every day. If it, right, if it means that big that big pot of uh, you know really sponge uh, money, uh, sponge money, right? Yeah, I, I'm I'm really I'm like really interested in, in doing a study that, well, like, so I'm going to go today to the treadmill and I'm going to run for, I don't know, 30 minutes or so. And I'm about ready to write a study about, um, treadmills, uh, and in what's the, you know, what's the best way to run on them. I'm not, I'm not actually an expert. I do run on treadmills. That's about it. Uh, so I look forward to the treadmill, uh, industry calling me to help, help with that work. Oh dear. <laughs> Uh, oh, you know, one thing that's very nice. So I, I was th- I was looking at the I found the supplemental material. We'll link to it. Um, uh, where they talked about the sponges that they collected. Um, I thought they were going to have a map of this area of Germany. No, if you look at supplementary figure seven, um, it's uh, examples of the sponges samples used in this work. And so it's a bunch of test tubes with little different different yeah. colored bits of sponge. So, uh, yeah, it, yeah, that was that was that was pretty good. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was. I just wanted to make sure that, uh, yeah, that we that we do it that we that, that about, we talked about you. that. Yeah, yeah thank about thank you. Because I, yeah, I had forgotten. I I was I, I was raging about this, and then I had forgotten. Um, so thank you for thank you for reminding me because it was it was good to talk about it again, and and it was good to call it out. I think on the podcast. Oh hey, so I, I've been talking about treadmills. I found out where that link was, and it had nothing to do with sponges, but it was washing reusable water bottles. Oh, another right. thing that came out. Yes, yes. So, like, let's look at twelve water bottles, and and right. you know, of course they're so yeah. You know, say I mean, it's, it's basically sponge two point um, and not not good science and conclusions like uh, your water bottles are making you you sick. Except we're we usually. Uh, do a lot of work on treadmills. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause so, so the article, uh, the article was published on treadmillreviews.net. Yes. 
So, yeah. uh, and and uh, entitled uh, the article is entitled "Water Bottle Germs Revealed," um, which uh, we will we will find and we will link to that. Um, but yeah, so the. Um, yeah, treadmillreviews.com, uh, really out there keeping our water bottles uh, safe. So that's there's that, at least. I was thinking about publishing some new stuff at treadmillreviews.ca. It's not even .com uh, here, it says. Oh. So do you know about the – I can't find the author guidelines. <laughs> there's a buyer's guide. There's a virus. Where is it? How can I? What's the what's the review process? What's the turnaround time like? Is it quick? Can I get something published really quick? I don't know. It's a really. I mean, it seems like a really interesting place to publish things. Be sure. Be sure to report your results in CFUs. Uh, You know, slide top water bottle, nine thousand three hundred nine thousand nine hundred thirty three thousand nine hundred thousand nine hundred. 933,340 CFUs on a slide top water bottle, Ben. That's, that's a lot of CFUs. Straw top is the way to go, Don. Everyone knows this. It's 20, only 25.4. 20, so how did they measure that, that point four of a CFU? That's what I want to know. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. But don't – I mean other dirty surfaces, they're, they're out there. Pet they're bowls. out there. Where, are sponges there on other dirty surfaces? Shoot, I hope I no. Think so kitchen we sink. should connect these two. Gee whiz, we should, they these people need to get the the uh, sponge people involved. That'll yeah. blow their minds. Cutting boards actually very clean. Six point eight CFU. I think. Oh, methodology. We swabbed three water bottles for each <laughs> different type of water bottle: screw top, slide top, squeeze top, and straw top for a total of swab. Each water bottle had been used by an athlete for a week without being washed. M Lab PNK performed all laboratory testing. Well, that should be easy to replicate. Sure. Uh, yeah, fair use. There you go. Eat, drink. Yeah. So, armed with a not so germy water bottle, you can turn your attention to what's really important: your daily run. Okay. General, there you go. So, uh, look for our next uh, our next publication coming out at of treadmillreviews.net.ca. Dot, dot experts and CFUs. Yeah. And there, there, oh, there was there was an actual paper published in the Canadian Journal of Public Health um, back in 2002 on bacterial water quality in the personal water bottles of elementary students, um, uh, which we can. Uh, it looks like the article is not available. We can certainly link to uh, link to the website, so so you can see the abstract. I someone who's t- who's uh, quoted in this article is like one of our. Someone who I've uh, we've sparred on Twitter a few times. Uh, this guy uh, Jason Tetro. Oh um, yes, I think that's yeah, probably how so, I learned about this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I follow, I follow him on Twitter. Uh, quote: We want people to get in the habit of cleaning their bottles. You're pushing it after only two or three days. Pushing what? Well, I guess the CFUs. Unless yeah. you use a straw top. Yeah, that you could probably go four or five days. Yeah. Unless you wash it with a sponge. Uh, don't wash. <laughs> uh, but very little to none are going to be pathogenic to you. They'll be gross. And it, and as it grows, it grows. Goes on, it grows. You might find your water tastes a little different. But maybe better. Maybe you're just making kombucha, kombucha tea. Or, or water kefir. Oh, Do you know about sounds, those things? No. That sounds really <laughs> vile, though. Anything called water keeper is disgusting. It's a uh, – instead of using grains, you are somehow um, 
it is rich. It's just, and this is from uh, the Nourish Kitchen, so you know it's a good source. Like most fermented foods and beverages, water kefir is rich in beneficial bacteria and food <laughs> enzymes. Um, bring about is this a salt. real thing? Water kefir is this a real thing? I, it's I think a real you're thing. It up. No, someone asked me about this, uh, about whether this would be, if they needed a variance for it, if they wanted to make water kefir in a restaurant. Don't make it. Don't make it. It sounds disgusting. Don, you just bring about six cups of filtered water to a boil and then just stir in the sugar. Continue stirring the sugar until the hot water, uh, in the hot water until it dissolves and then allow it to cool to room temperature and then uh, let let the microbes do their thing. There's a lot of benefit. You know what? You know what you're making? In this water kefir, you're making uh, a hummingbird feeder mix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they, you know, those hummingbirds, man, they have a lot of energy. Oh, they do. Well, it's all that beneficial bacteria and good enzymes that they're drinking. Oh, they do. You, if wait. you drink the water kefir, you you too can uh, <laughs> can move your your arms at 600 uh, beats per second. <laughs> you levitate. This is this is the secret to, to levitation, water kefir. Uh, so anyway, oh. before before we completely go off the rails, and I think we should wrap this up soon. Um, I do I do want to give a shout out to an article uh, that appeared today. It was by Victoria Knight uh, at CNN. With a little bit of a clickbaity headline, uh, Seven Filthy Food Habits and How Dirty They Really Are. Uh, and this is basically um, some coverage of um, uh, mostly Paul, Paul Dawson's work, but also a little bit on my five-second rule stuff. And, and uh, Victoria was nice enough to, to actually interview me, um, and, and I, you know, I could – you know, talk about, you know, like pretty much like, you know, and, and again, I don't want to slam Paul Dawson. I'm sure he doesn't listen to the podcast. Um, but uh, what did I what did I say? So, um, yeah, she did a nice she did, I think she did a nice job with the interview. So um, what did I say? Oh, so they also this article quotes uh, Randy Warabo. So shout out to uh, to Randy. Um, uh, yeah, Schaffner applauds Dawson's efforts to teach undergraduate and graduate students, undergraduate and graduate students, how to conduct research. But he thinks these studies may need more outside replication and statistical analysis to confirm the results. Um, he says the overall risk of contracting a disease through any of these situations is low. And and yeah, and I you know, and then I go on to say that. And and again, um, <laughs> Warabo says basically the the same thing. Here here's a quote from Warabo. I would say that a good rule is if a person is sick, they really shouldn't be sharing food or preparing <laughs> food to share with other people. Uh, he awesome. said, "Quote: You don't want to end up like typhoid Mary." Close quote. So uh, yes, uh, oh, that's good. <laughs> so thanks, uh, thanks to Randy. Uh, for for uh, also talking uh, and then also uh, yeah and so there's actually some other Paul Dawson research that I'm not familiar with including um, uh, beer pong uh, microbiology so uh, t- take a look at the CNN article I think uh, I think um, uh, Victoria did a pretty nice job with that so yeah I know it was, it was really um, it was really good that uh, the birthday uh, you know b- blowing b- birthday candle stuff um, it, it didn't. I mean, it was. It, I. It didn't get as big as I thought it was. Like, and maybe I just wasn't watching news as much. But it. I thought it would. The sponge got way more play. Yeah, than, which is which is weird. Things. I would have. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think yeah. honestly, the. Uh, I have some comments about the the birthday cake paper as well, um, in terms of the quality. But it was better than the sponge paper. Yeah, in my absolutely. opinion. I mean, at least with the birthday cake, there was some data. Again, I, I not not enough to suit me, and I, I'm still not completely sure they did the statistics correctly. And, and certainly, um, the 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 quoted number of one thousand four hundred percent, I think, is not 
uh, is not quite right. Um, I think that there's something wrong with that number. I don't think that's the way you would calculate that, uh, that transfer, but yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Well, Hey, I, uh, I think, I think that's a show. That's, uh, um, all the stuff that I wanted to talk about. Anything? Anything we missed? Anything you want to come back no, to? No, I think when we snuck in, we snuck in a few, uh, a few other uh, bonus, uh, bonus things at the end. So yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, Don, as always, thanks uh, for your for your time and your expertise, and uh, uh, it was good good talking with you. And uh, for listeners, go ahead and uh, you know go rate us on iTunes and uh, keep the listener feedback coming because it really gives us some some great stuff to uh to talk about and uh um yeah we really we really appreciate uh all the listeners uh engaging with us so uh all right don we'll talk to you later all right bye-bye bye-bye Cool. Don, I think I just got some. So yesterday uh, I told you I freaked out about the phishing. Uh, like I, I clicked on that link and didn't think about it. And uh, oh, this yeah. is about. Yeah, and then so then I just got this another weird email um, from someone named OS uh, with a Oana show at Yahoo.fr is their address, which sounds a little sketchy. Yeah. Hi, Benjamin. Please, I registered for the wrong training at, at, in all quote letters, NC State University, and I would like to have my refund as soon as possible to paid for the right training. Can you provide me the claim department number, please? Thank you. Whoa. I don't know. I'm just going to delete that. I don't even have trainings that would someone would register for. I don't even know what this is. Whoa. Weird. Whoa. That's weird. Um, so, uh, I, I, I don't think that's a, I think that was probably was a legitimate person then. But what am I going to do with this? Well, I don't have a you, claims department. You Google North Carolina claims department. Well, it's North Carolina state university. Right. So I don't even like, I don't think we have a claims department claim department number. Hmm. Wrong. Track. I don't know. I think this is, I think this is fishing. No one's, I don't think you know what fishing is. <laughs> I think you might be right on that. I think this is someone who wants me to give them money. Well, for sure. See, they want their money back. Yeah. I don't. But not from you, from the claims department. I'm looking. The, but, 
<laughs> I'm Googling this. This uh, this person doesn't exist. Oh, oh, Onana show at Yahoo. Maybe this is the Onana show. Andre Onana. It's a Cameroon professional football player. It could be him. Could, could be uh, some training. Could be why, why he's getting some training. Maybe he's getting some training on soccer. Maybe they're. I don't know. All right, I'll, I'll decide what to do with this later. You think I should respond to them? I would respond and say, and say I don't do any training, and so I'm not sure why you're contacting me. If you gave me a little mm-hmm. bit more information, probably I could help you. I, but I'm, uh, I, yeah, I, I just I don't know, Ben. I. I I get sucked in. If somebody looks like it's halfway, like I, I will totally mark those uh, dear professor Schaffner. We would like to invite you to our conference. I totally mark those as, as junk and, and spam and, yeah. and move on. But, um, which I didn't used to do. Um, but <coughs> excuse me, if it's a, uh, if it doesn't, if it, th- this just sounds like a, a person who's maybe first language is not uh, English and who's confused and just stumbled upon a link and clicked it and emailed you. All right. Uh, here's what I've crafted. I don't do any training that requires money. Not sure I can help. Can you give me more info? That's very sweet. That's nice. See? And then they, they'll they either respond or they won't. And then, yeah. And then they'll say, I would, I need my money and here's my bank account and I need your bank account to get it from. Yeah. And then, and then you can say, no problem. I'm getting no, right I'll on be that happy right to now. do that. Yeah. Would you like a voided check? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with my, with all make it details. easier. Yeah, exactly. That That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we got so that. Um, I'm gonna send you a couple of links, like this water kefir one. Okay. I, yeah. I got. I found a water kefir link, but I want to use your link too because okay. I, I think I found a different one from the nourished kitchen. Uh, I don't know if there's any other links. When? When shall we do this again? I don't know. So I have another question. Are we in our September one? Are we gonna? The one we're doing in person, is that going to just be a show? Like, we should try to do that, right? Yeah, like it should just be a show that we put in the feed. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, we should just record that as, okay. And then it'll be like an extra special show. It may it may work, may not. And yeah, so I told you, I'm only, I, I made my flights work, so I'm only in Minnesota for a few hours. <laughs> I sent you a picture of a sad person sitting I at, know. At, a, at a dinner table. It's okay. That's fine. I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. You're a, you're a young and up and comer, as they say. You're a, you know, you're, you're on the upward trajectory. I'm, I'm sort of in the, uh, I'm in the stationary phase into death. <laughs> well, I am. I, yeah. I'm in a phase where I have committed to this hockey team and oh. then the, the schedules came out and it's like, we're coaching, I'm coaching Wednesday after Wednesday evenings at six forty and Thursday evenings at five forty every week. So I'm trying to man, like get back for that. No. And that's, so that's, that's important. Like that's really important stuff for you. It to is. Do, so. It is. And I ended up, so I'm doing a talk the next day in Syracuse. So what's awesome is I can get direct flight from Raleigh to Minneapolis, a direct flight from Minneapolis to Syracuse. Like, tell me that wasn't a surprise. Uh, and then I get into Syracuse at midnight. I asked, I was initially going to fly to Syracuse in the morning. Um, and then I asked them to move my talk. So now I'm talking at 10 o'clock. Uh, on Wednesday morning, and I can get home in time to coach on Wednesday afternoon. Direct, so, direct flight from Syracuse home? Uh, no, it's I got to fly through Philadelphia. Okay, but um, but but it works. Like if I finish my talk at eleven thirty, my flight's at twelve twelve forty five or something, and the airport is right beside the um, 
the meeting place and you know with tsa pre and it being syracuse i can't see that i'm gonna run into delays yeah i'll just you know to be able to make it so cool um yeah and i think i told you i was gonna go to well i had maybe i didn't tell you but i got invited to go to wales to the uk affiliate of iafp and i just couldn't make the flights work with my commitments um and the only flight that i could take was five thousand dollars whoa uh so i yeah so i was like i don't think you guys want me to come for five thousand dollars so um uh natalie who uh who you met um who who works for me is gonna go do gonna go do my talk or do our talk oh but not wales but not for five thousand dollars no no on a much much because she's got more uh she's less time ability yeah yes and she would like to spend some more time in wales so no kidding Okay. I know Wales cool. is awesome. good, good opportunity for her. It is, it is. So anyway, that's uh, so th- there's my travel. So anyway, that that's September. We're really only looking at at August. Oh yeah, sorry. Yes, back to trying to schedule a podcast. Yeah. Uh, um. So I have a talk that I'm giving on Thursday afternoon, the 24th, which is two weeks from today. Mm-hmm. It may be easier for us to dry, try and do something on the 25th. If we have you, I think you probably have this in your calendar as well. We have a meeting. Uh, uh, ITAN? Yeah, 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 at, yeah, at two o'clock. But I'm free all like up until two o'clock. Okay, well, I, I've got a and meeting. After two o'clock if you want to. Sorry? And after two o'clock if you wanted to. Yeah, so I have a conference call from 10 to 11. Um, but if we did it at 11, uh, I've got lab meeting with my students at one. I can, so I've got a, a window there from 11 to one. Let's try that. And I will be, I, I'm making a note. This is the other, uh, piece about my punctuality. Dawn has a hard out at one. <laughs> FST. Okay, so that'll that'll encourage me to be really on time, and I can yeah. I can push my lab meeting a little bit. So, that's all right. Well, but if you push your lab meeting, that might uh, influence your tan. Yeah, because <laughs> because uh, because we're gonna meet out in the sun. My son, oh, my son tan. <laughs> um, that's me hitting my head microphone. against the microphone. <laughs> yeah. No, these, these days my lab meetings take uh, surprisingly little time because uh, my lab has shrunk and, and I've got really good students and they don't need much, much guidance and direction. So, and they're pretty good about like if they need to get some time with me, not at group meeting, they're pretty good about doing that. So I think, I, I, I think we make it work. Awesome. 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 Uh, we, I, we didn't mention this in the, uh, you know, pre after dark, but, um, since our last recording, we did have quite the run of puns on Twitter that that you started with dad jokes, which was amazing. Yeah, that that was like, it, yeah, it was. I'm I, I'm I'm glad that I was able to jump in just briefly. I yeah, um, I it's a weakness that I have. Once I start, I can't stop, and if the other person keeps it going, then I will keep it going. Um, so, but I'm glad it ended because <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of hard. To, yeah, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to keep that going uh, infinitely. So, but it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had I, I had fun with that. 
It, yeah, that was awesome. And I know um, when I when I saw Veronica and uh, Mary last week, um, they thought it was the greatest thing ever. That this like so this whole yeah I, the listeners I think the listeners liked it yeah good I'm I'm glad because uh, we know that's that's why that's why we do it Ben we do it for the listeners it's, we it is all for the listeners uh all right well so this one's yours yep and, and I don't have to do anything and I because I didn't record anything so that's that's awesome perfect so yeah so I will uh, try to get this listened to quickly and get you some show titles uh, hopefully uh, real soon now all right I'll talk to you later Don bye bye bye.